This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the 1970. I'm your host, Ed. Ed PSG did it, baby. We're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. First time since 2016. It's a great feeling. I held, I had some optimism. I thought that they could do it. But my partner, Mark Damon here, you didn't necessarily think that. But before we get into that, I want to just open up to you. How are you doing? How's everything going? <laughs> did, well, did you watch it's, the it's game? Going fine. Yeah. I mean, 2%, right? I mean, that's a, that is a chance. You did give them a slight chance. Um, but to your credit, PSG really hadn't given us any reason to believe that they could do this. And so, but they did. They won 2-0. They shut out one of the most high-scoring teams in all of Europe. Erling Haaland was just a ghost. He just disappeared. Didn't really make an impact on the game. PSG's defense was outstanding. Neymar scored a diving header. When's the last time you've ever seen that? And Juan Bernat had a, it looked like a pass, and then he scored right before halftime. Um, and that, that was enough to do it, and the party was on. And, uh, it was it was a great result, and like I said, PSG's into the uh, the quarterfinals. But I wanted to give it to you, give you a chance here to start to talk to all your haters out there, all the people who were like, "Bring Mark out!" As soon as the game ended, this is your opportunity. Go ahead, talk about what you saw, and uh, if you want to say that you were wrong, now's your chance. <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> Again, won't won't be the won't be the isn't the first time, and it won't be the last. No. Um. I didn't think that they could muster something like that. I they've they've put performances like that together in the past. It's this isn't the first time they've come out and had that kind of performance and you're starting to see it under Tuchel more and more. These these kind of games is very similar to the one they played against Liverpool. Uh it's the one they played against Manchester United in the first leg last year. You know, the, impassioned, tough, got the early goals, held the lead, shut the other team down. So we know PSG are capable of these kind of games. I just didn't think that with this kind of pressure, they would be capable of doing it mentally. And the but, suspensions and the injuries and Mbappe being sick. I mean, it just wasn't, can they do it? I mean, they had the chips were stacked against them. They had a, an uphill battle. You could argue that they were the truly the underdogs in this matchup when you look at who was out, suspensions and all that. Yeah, and I think what I'm trying to kind of gather thoughts here. I yeah. I, I feel like we we talked about this on the last show. You know, how many times can you get embarrassed? How many times can you get punched in the face? How many times can you get mocked before you respond as a club, as an organization, as a human being for that matter. And you saw it at the end of the match. And it, we'll probably talk about this, about mm -hmm. them mocking the Halan celebration. But yes. I think that was really indicative of something. That wasn't necessarily mocking him. I think it was more just the releasing of that sort of anger and frustration. Like... They finally played mad, and yeah, not yeah. bad mad, where they're out of control and they're reckless, but they played good mad. Like, they were on a mission to shut people up. 
Great point. And to fight and to put together great individual performances. That's what they set out to do and they accomplished it. And it wasn't necessarily the prettiest game. They never really solved Dortmund's defensive puzzle that they put in front of them. Mm-hmm. They never quite figured out the Rubik's Cube. Yeah, but both of their it's... goals were interesting. It was a set piece for Neymar's goal. And then, like I said, it was like Juan Bernat trying to pass to somebody in the box. And if somehow found its way in the back of the net it was a very odd goal it wasn't like a yeah a nicely executed you know breaking through the defense no this was not a um this was not a pretty kind of game with a lot of uh great goals and a lot of movement and a lot of action this was a game that psg really i think they they once they got the goal and once they got that first goal and once they found the momentum in the game, I think Dortmund just didn't have the individual skill mm-hmm. to sort of break through what PSG were doing. And PSG weren't um, playing well as a collective defensive unit. They were doing amazing individual defending. Now, why do you think that is? Because in the first game we saw, Dortmund did have the individual skill. They were breaking through. Is it maybe tactics? No, but I don't even. But again, I don't even think it was necessarily that. Well, it is that. It's it's a it's a it's a bunch of different things here. It's not it's not just one uh, kind of factor. Mm-hmm. But you saw how Dortmund played the same exact defense to start the game that they did the last game. They played the midfield close to the center to the to the back line, and they forced PSG to play balls over the top. The reason they were able to get that goal was off of a corner. Mm -hmm. And they got a good spell of pressure, and they were able to draw that corner, and they were able to get it, you know, Neymar was able to put the header in. And that was, again, that was the changing, that was the turning point of the game and the turning point of the tie. And it it should be noted in an interview, uh, Neymar said that heading the ball is something that he is, quite frankly, afraid to do just because of his injury history and how he could just get leveled by a goalie or something. And and it wasn't just a header from maybe some good distance. This was a diving header in front of goal where he could have been clattered and maybe injured. I mean, he put, he really did put his body on the line to score that goal. It was fantastic and indicative of the overall performance of PSG, I thought. It was indicative of a lot. Yeah. But it, there was a grit to it. There was an energy to it. They played smart. They didn't commit a bunch of stupid fouls. They didn't turn the ball. They did not turn the ball over really at all. After the first, they didn't. They, when they, when their midfield, PSG's midfield had the ball, it was fairly secure. Like they weren't, tur- Gay wasn't turning the ball over. Paredes wasn't turning the ball over. It wasn't spectacular, but those two together sort of did the jobs that were needed to be done. They weren't spectacular, but they were absolutely holding their own and they weren't getting blown away. And it, it maybe asks the question of how Marco Verratti plays midfield. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a detriment cause he's a world talent, but this game sort of needed a bit more. Um, it needed a bit more normalcy from the midfield. It needed a bit more workmanship rather than sort of skill. Yeah. Like they needed, like Liverpool, you know, when they're at their best and they have that midfield of Milner and Ro- and uh, 
What are the other guys? Henderson. And, yeah, and Henderson. It's like it's not an all-star midfield by any stretch. But those guys do a job, and they do it well. And PSG's midfield kind of showed that you can you can have Paredes and Gouillet out there, and you can make it work because those two can sort of just hold their own. They each do different things. Paredes could involve himself in the attack. Gouillet can involve himself in the attack. I thought a solid midfield helped. And it just the the the, the combinations worked in this game more than they did in the last game. And you know, for getting too much into it, but Sarabia was I think a really nice addition in the first 60 minutes of the match. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he brought something you know, I thought he brought something a little different. I thought their pressing was more effective. I thought that Neymar tracked and he worked hard. Di Maria wasn't great, but he still worked. He still worked hard. Uh, Cavani wasn't again. He wasn't spectacular, but he worked hard. And you got that sort of collective energy and effort, and then you mix that with the individual talent. And that's sort of where PSG thrive. I don't think they're going to be world beaters in Europe in the sense that they're going to score four or five goals against good teams in Champions League knockout stages. But they can play this way and win. Yeah, and I think this is the type of game, this is the type of effort that will win you the Champions League. We very rarely see teams go out and put four or five goals past the team and just breeze through the Champions League. I mean, you're going to have to get down into the weeds and fight and scrap it and get these kind of wins. I would agree with everything you said. I was a little bit worried about the midfield with Paredes. Um, He hadn't gotten a ton of playing time and... Marquinhos is obviously preferred in the midfield and then dropping his, him back. I thought it was a lot of change heading into this important match. So I was a little bit worried about that. But um, I just think that for me, Adrisi Gay is one of the best performers on the night. Every time I looked up, he, he his energy was unbelievable. He was putting in tackles. I, I think I tweeted out, said that clearly they were working on tackling. I mean, Kempembe, Marquinhos... Idrissa Gay, even Neymar was making tackles and, and Di Maria. I mean, they were just getting after the ball and just doing everything they could to just press and win the ball and keep possession. And it was it was truly an inspiring performance that they put in. Um, it was and it was just what they needed uh, to get the win. So what what I'd also like to ask you is, what did you think initially with the starting lineup? Mbappe on the bench with Sarabia that that seemed to work given Sarabia's uh, work rate. Um, did you agree beforehand? We saw obviously how it worked out, but did you agree with Paredes being in the midfield? Did maybe Kwasi would have been a better option? Maybe no, Kurzawa at left back. He, he, no, you have to you have to balance the midfield out. You okay. can't have two guys doing the same thing. Okay, and I don't think you needed to. I think Kwasi playing the ball in a match like that would have in from midfield would have been questionable. Yeah. And that's fair. I thought maybe Kwasi at center back and leave Marquinhos in the midfield with Idrissi. No, but you know what? They, they, they figured some, they figured something out there actually with Kimpembe and Marquinhos. And I think I wrote this on Twitter. I think Mm -hmm. this might be the last champions league game. Thiago Silva ever. I don't think he plays another champions league game for PSG. Now, whether that's because of the virus or whether they back it up and play it, later in the year or whatever our friend ali tactics i think that's his twitter handle he's a big tiago silva fan he won't like hearing that 
Yeah, well, I, I don't think we've always seen eye to eye. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're allowed to have opinions. Sure. That's where, that's where we're at. Here's the, here's the thing that, that was different. Kimpembe has not played a game that well since the Barcelona leg in 2017. It was the haircut. He got, like, the fresh buzz cut. I mean, he looked he looked good out there. What he was able to do was just be physical with mm-hmm. Holland, And I think that was where PSG won the game. Yeah. They shut him down. Like, I barely – he had maybe five touches the whole match. He was invisible. And the reason was they played him. Like – physically yeah. on top of him. He's a big guy, but I don't yeah. know how much muscle is there. Kimpembe is oh, like no. a man. Like he no, hits the weight they room. Were beating, they were position-wise, they were beating him to the position. Yeah. They were winning headers over him. Whenever he had the ball, they were there was a body on him. He ne- maybe except for the very end of the match, did he have the ball in space? They gave him no space, and that's because Kimpembe was the primary defender on him and not Thiago Silva. Yeah. And when Thiago Silva's on the field, he's going to be the primary defender on the striker, not Kimpembe. And you, if you remember the Barcelona game a few years ago, Silva missed that game too. Mm-hmm. And Kimpembe became sort of the primary sort of step into the midfield and stop Messi player. And that worked. Yeah, he did a great and job. This work, and this worked too. And you feel like, okay, they got something with this now. You have enough midfielders. You have Verratti. You have Paredes. You have Gouillet. You have your three standard midfielders. So you don't have to bring Marquinhos back up there, I don't think. Yeah. Because then you're going to have to take out Gay or uh, Verratti. And and you're not going to do that, I don't think. That doesn't make any sense. So it, it really, I think, it, it logically, I think Kimpembe is the guy back there right now. Physically stronger, more athletic. He beat Halan to the ball couple really good tackles early in the match sort of kept um, Holland from getting rhythm. And Marquinhos was able to sort of direct traffic, and you kind of heard it in the empty stadium how like, oh my they, gosh, were communi- yeah. they were communicating well. Marquinhos was I, screaming like a madman. Like No, it, wor- they, it worked. Like, they were doing the right things. Yeah. And Tilo Kerr also. I mean, I don't think Meunier plays another Champions League game for PSG either. Kara was fantastic. And just real quick, back to Marquinhos. I mean, he was a fantastic captain on the night. I mean, he was barking out directions. And even at the end when they had that little brawl between the two teams after Neymar got pushed to the ground. I mean, Marquinhos was right in the thick of that, breaking it up, defending his players. The the guy is... I love Thiago Silva, but after he leaves, I mean, Marquinhos is going to be the captain. And I don't think we there's a better option. He's, he's awesome. I love him. Marquinhos... Yeah. No, it was it was it was really an excellent. Um, it really was an excellent performance from a lot of those guys. And Tilo Care, what I think he does well is he's winning balls in the air too. Like he he was winning balls mm-hmm. in the air. He was covering Jaden Sancho effectively, who was non-existent. They, they balanced the they. I mean, he was their best offensive player, all things considered. And that was that's not saying much, no. but he was. Like he was the only one that was actually like maybe threatening a little bit, but it, what that I think allowed them to do is maybe get Juan Bernat further up the field, and that was beneficial obviously because he's he sort of tries to cut in a little bit. He's a little more of a free left back than you know. And they, I, I like that. Yeah. I like I like the balance of having full back one full back 
be able to get upfield and one fullback be able to sort of stay back and defend. And they were giving him a lot of space. I think it helps in your in your uh, I think it helps in your defensive coverage to do that. Yeah, it definitely worked out. I, early in the game, I had sent out a tweet that they, like Juan Bernat was given a lot of space in front of him, and I was like, he has yet to take advantage of it. But that's an area where I think PSG should be attacking because they just kind of left him out there, and and he was inching up the field, and he had a lot of space where he could run into or create or people could overlap. I mean. Yeah, I, he's great. I mean, before the game, there was some talk that uh, Kurzawa, he was getting a lot of, um, you know, working with, I guess, the first team of potential starters in training. And it was kind of believed that Kurzawa would be the one to start and that it was Juan Bernat. And I think that was the right move. I mean, he was fantastic. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, it kind of hit me as we were talking. Um, you know, I'm a, a NFL fan, as you are. I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, and it reminded me of the playoff game. This, uh, you know, with uh, Lamar Jackson and against the Titans, and how Lamar Jackson just lit up the entire season. And then when it got down to crunch time, the Titans figured him out and basically shut him down. It was kind of like this, you know. Halan had his fun in the first leg. Tuchel looked at the film, figured it out, moved his players around, put Kimpembe on him, and took him completely out of the game. And PSG won. So it just goes to show that like Halan might be a fine striker, but we've seen other strikers have these kind of a few months or even a season of where they're scoring a lot. But, you know, the other team watches film too, and they figured out how to defend him and figured out that, yeah, he's big, he's tall, whatever, but he's not very physical. And if you get right up on him and get physical with him and beat him to the ball and just rough him up a little bit, he doesn't want any of that. And he just kind of shied away. And then after the match, he was uh, saying that he he blamed his poor performance on the lack of fans. So, I don't know. No, (laughs) they hit him. Yeah, they hit. They actually fizzed. There was, I think, there was one time where Marquinhos actually just shoved them to the ground. Yeah, it's like it, that's the stuff you got to do against a guy like that. You can't be passive. You can't back up. And PSG did not back up. They went into a shell a little bit defensively. You know, in that second half when Dortmund were really yeah, trying to get yeah. pressure, but it, I didn't think it was necessarily weakness. I thought they were trying to to suck Dortmund in to counter, and it almost worked a couple times. Yeah, and they brought Mbappe on, who's like the ultimate counter player. So they brought him on, and they're like, okay, Dortmund. No, it looked good, but, <laughs> but I have to give credit. Dortmund's back line was great both legs. They they, were. they really kept – PSG could have maybe scored four or five against a lesser back line, but Dortmund really did a good job in this match, in these two games. Just being good, solid. You know, Zagadou was good. Um Mats Hummels was good. They, they they did a great job. Yeah. And, you know, it is a slim margin. 3-2 is a slim margin, although PSG had the away goal thing, so it was like, more like a two-goal lead. But, you know, it, this was a, an example of a team, and I'll go back to what I said at the beginning, playing mad, mm-hmm. like having a purpose and playing with a purpose and an intent and I think sometimes PSG don't play with that purpose or that intent. And when you don't have that purpose and intent, I think sometimes your mind tends to wander a little bit because it's a little more, um, there's a lot more going on in your mind rather than sort of focusing on the task that you have at hand. Mm-hmm. And the task, I think, in this game was pretty simple. It was take away Holland. It was try to try not to let the game become a track meet and see if he could sneak a couple of goals and beat them. I And I didn't expect him to shut out Dortmund. I thought that was the maybe the surprise yeah. of the night. Yeah, I, I thought for sure they would get at least one goal. 
but it, it worked. Like what they did worked, and you can't. You know, Tuchel has bought himself another tie here. Mm-hmm. Like he's showing, and it's really been wildly inconsistent. But I think the performances under Thomas Tuchel, the good ones, have been just about as good as anything PSG have done. And the bad performances have been pretty much on the worse end. Yeah. I mean, some of those Unai Emery games were real stinkers. But, you know, besides that, like, this is a this is a coach that put his team in a good position, dealt with what he had to deal with, mm-hmm. made the right substitutions for when he needed to make them, and found a way to, I think silence a bit of the criticism and i think he's bought himself another round here whatever that round is played he's bought himself time to um he's bought himself time to really uh maybe do something even better yeah i mean there's there's no telling there's no easy matchups in the quarterfinals but there are some teams where psg will definitely be favored you know atlanta being one of them um, Leipzig is talented, but I think that's another team you'd rather play them than say Liverpool. You know, with Liverpool going out, this tournament suddenly opened up. Real Madrid or Manchester City could one of those teams are going to be out. And obviously, this is all when the Champions League resumes. Uh, we all expect it to be postponed. We don't know how long, um, and the, there's been no official announcement. But all reports indicate that that's going to be pushed back with the coronavirus. Um, but Mark, we've talked a lot about what happened on the pitch. Let's talk a little bit about what happened off the pitch. So a big storyline in this game were the ultras and, and PSG supporters outside the stadium. Coronavirus uh, fears. They did not let this game was played behind closed doors, and so there. I think there was the. French government came out and said there's no gatherings of a, a thousand people or, or more. It, every You can't get that many people gathered in, in one space. And so that's why they weren't allowed into the stadium. But for some reason, they let them outside the stadium, which it definitely looked like more than a thousand people there. Um, PSG reportedly wanted to put like a television screen outside, but that was not allowed because that would just invite more people. But they were lighting flares and fireworks and chanting. And during the broadcast, you could hear them outside the stadium. It was really fantastic. Um, what did you think of that gathering? Considering the health concerns, do you think PSG should have done more to stop that gathering? I, 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 I'm not in a position to say. Okay. I'm not sure if PSG could do anything because technically I don't think they were breaking the law. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, yeah. They're not breaking any law. What are you going to do? Because they're outside. It would basically be like, oh, there's more than a thousand people outside in Paris right now. You know, you, you, and you go back and you're like, they're outside. You can't. They're not, they yeah, weren't breaking the rule. There's not much PSG could do. And I, I think if it, it, it kind of felt like one of those, like, we're going to get one more party in before the party ends kind of <laughs> situations. Did. Yeah. And I think that, I think that did. I think not having the fans in the stadium did actually sort of, you know, I'll, I'll try to put this. They were playing for the fans, mm-hmm. not to the fans, if that makes sense. Like they were, they were like they were playing for the fans as if, like, oh, they're not here, so we're gonna put out a great effort and we're gonna make them all proud. That's different than, oh my God, look at all these people here waiting for us to screw up. Right. Like, they weren't 
they, you know what I mean? Like there was a different dynamic at play. It was because when they were coming in on the bus, I mean, the fans lined the street and I forget who said it. Maybe it was Marquinhos or Campanba, but someone was said on the bus, the players were like in all of that and they were singing in the bus. Some of them were taking videos, just driving through that. And I think that just started, just kickstarted the mentality of let's go in there and kick their ass. Um, I wrote an article today on PSGTalk.com where apparently Di Maria was picked up um, on one of the cameras after Juan Bernat's goal. And they're like, let's put six or seven past these, you know, sons of bitches or whatever he said. I mean, he, so like this team wanted the win and you mentioned they were just enraged. And Presno Kempembe said all of that chatter that the official Dortmund account was doing on Twitter and the, the Halan post that we'll talk about later, like all of these little chirping on social media they took note of that and they came in this game pissed off as hell they were mad that their fans weren't allowed in they saw the fans still showed up and they and and it they went in and put in that kind of performance where they just put their head down and got the job done i mean this is a psg that we've never seen before no i mean we've seen it in different forms but not not like this not like not at this level right yeah not at this level but we've seen the blueprint the tuchel blueprint before I would even say blue collar, like, but you say blueprint, but it was a blue collar type performance. Well, yeah, and I, I think that Paris fans appreciate that kind of performance. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, this team has tried to be the finesse team. Yeah. And I don't think that's in the DNA of the club. And I, I don't always necessarily believe in that stuff, but I do think there's, you know, there is sort of a DNA to certain clubs and how they were formed and who's played for them and mm-hmm. the fans they have and there's a there, and i think this is more of the dna of a psg club than a team that you know even those laurent blanc teams that really looked pretty they were pretty to watch they scored a bunch of goals but they didn't have a sort of a grit to them right and like and and for some and it's weird it is weird like it, it it's sort of an oxy it's sort of it's sort of a, a I guess a, a I don't know how to put this but it's sort of a like a like a, a kind of a irony in the sense that Paris is such a kind of glitzy sleek kind of city yeah but PSG sort of play their best football when they're sort of you know. I guess to say like they're from Marseille or something. <laughs> I I definitely agree with you on what you're saying. Like for the longest time, the ultras and the team never quite match up because the ultras very much are like kind of gritty and they'll they'll fight and they'll light flares and they'll travel and they'll do whatever it takes to show support. Whereas the team hasn't really reached that level. And it seemed like on Wednesday night, the two, the ultras and the team finally met. And I think that's why at the end you saw such a big celebration. It was like, finally, we are one cohesive club with the same goal, with the same values, playing. We are playing the way that you want us to play and you are giving us back what we want. It just felt like they finally came together in the right well, and way. That, and that absolutely was the 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 I think the goal all along is mm-hmm. you want to have everyone sort of pushing in the same direction. And too many times in PSG history you have sort of different agendas and the fans want something, the team wants something, the coach wants something, the players want I felt like this is everyone was going in the same direction. Yeah. And you, they're a very powerful force when they're all going in the same direction. And you can't, like, and it's hard to stop. Like, I think that PSG team, 
was I was just really on that day was not going to lose. They had that mentality that they were not going to lose this game. They were going to win this game. It was just a matter of by how much and how. And they they did it and they got it done. And I, I applaud it. And I was wrong. I didn't yeah. think they had that in them. Yeah. I mean, and Neymar it's... came into the game dancing right in front of the, the Dortmund players as they were entering the stadium for the game. Um, and if that should have been, that should have told us what we need to know. I mean, Neymar was loose. He's dancing. We should have known that we were in for a good night. They, 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 and they were able to frustrate Dortmund in a way that I don't think anyone has really been able to frustrate them all year. No one shuts them out. They just looked, I think about 80th minute, they just sort of started to, you know, they just realized what was going to happen to them. (laughs) And then Emery Chen gets sent off and that pretty much ends the game anyway. Right. It, it was it was strong. It was it was a strong, real, emotional kind of atmosphere and game and, and moment. So many and, great images you know, from. And the... You're not going to probably see PSG play for another month or so. So <laughs> you know, it. enjoy. If this is the last game we get to see for a while, like it's kind of a hell of a way to like go out. Like, yeah, is there's a, there's something to like sort of. You know, being able to live in that moment for a while and enjoy it and yeah. savor it as fans. So you know, enjoy it because you'll have it. You'll have it with you for a while before we, you know, go back to business again at some point. That photo of Angel Di Maria standing up, you know, perched up on the roof of the Parc des Princes with the, yeah. the fans below. I mean, that is an indelible image that will just live on in PSG history. They're celebrating their fiftieth year of existence. I think in another fifty years, one hundred and fifty years. 300 years and we're still here on the planet, coronavirus hasn't wiped us out. That image is going to be framed somewhere inside the locker room. And that's just a special image that we'll remember, PSG fans will remember forever. And it was just fantastic. So real quick, let me get you, who was your man of the match? A lot of candidates. Who who was the best player? Who was the most crucial, you think? Um, Kim Pembe, I think, was man of the match. See, I'm going to go, I'm going to give it to Neymar. I mean, without his two goals... PSG don't advance. He was the game winner, and I, I just thought he did really well. He made some mistakes, you know, in the game, especially later on. I think his legs started to go, but his diving header for me, I just, I just think he, he was my man in the match. Without him, PSG do not advance. Um, we talked a lot about Halan, so we got to talk about this after the, well, actually after Neymar's goal, he kind of did the Zen um, goal celebration, mocking Halan from uh, the the first leg where. He kind of did that meditation Zen pose, and then after the game, they took like a team photo, and everyone did it. They did it on the the balcony at the Parc de France and back in the locker room. I mean, they did it like four times. They they wanted people to know that they were mocking him. Yeah. Everyone on Twitter, pretty much, who's not a PSG fan, said, "Oh, this 19 year old lives rent free in these players' heads," and blah blah blah. And a lot of people were getting on PSG about it. What did you make of the celebration? Was it over the top? Was it classless, as a lot of people said? Is it unnecessary? Or did you like it? Do you like that the players, they take a lot of shit, and they finally won, and they they wanted to give some of it back. So which, which side of the fence are you oh. on? Well, PSG are damned if they do and damned if they don't. Very so true. Who cares, what, who cares what people think of them at this point? Like, And I actually like that attitude. I think they should care less about what people think of them, especially in the media. I think they should just go out there and play hard and, and play for the fans and play for the, each other and play, you know, that's what they should be doing. They shouldn't, they shouldn't worry about what other people are thinking of them. And I just found it's like, 
When did Holland become like a sainted figure in world football? <laughs> like, I don't get any of this. He's psychology. had like three good months. I don't get any of it. It's not like he's even that nice of a guy. Like, or a rapper. I, Have you seen his rap video? He's horrendous. No, but if, if, if Holland is arrogant as anything. Yes. But it, you know, like. He if he did that to to English teams like you know that kind of like ridiculousness for being a nineteen year old who really hasn't done much of anything. Do Do you know what if he if he was an American he played college basketball he would go to Duke like he's that yeah. kind of player. There's no doubt no. in my mind he would go to Duke. He came he his father was an athlete. He came out with a silver spoon in his mouth and then he comes out here and he talks a lot of shit. And on Wednesday he didn't back it up. And Neymar yeah. and all these other players, you know, Mbappe grew up in Bondi, suburb of Paris, kind of rough upbringing, say with Neymar. These guys probably take offense that this kid who had everything growing up comes in here and talks a lot of shit and didn't show up. Yeah, they're going to mock him. And they're going to say, get out of here. You're not ready, kid. And well, I loved it. And, and, the, and Dortmund hyping this kid up. And, oh. and just, it was incessant for, for the weeks after they won the first leg. And it's just like, you know, you have to take it a little. Like... It wasn't classless. It wasn't no. bullying. It wasn't tasteless. It's like people really have to kind of get off their high horse about some of this stuff and just understand that it's sports. And like the fact of the matter is sports are so important in our society that we're able to pretty much close them off for a month and a half. Mm -hmm. And nobody's really arguing about it or complaining about it either. Like... If you want to put all of this in perspective, we can, you know, put all of this in perspective to say that these are not the most important things in our lives. So if we're going to start, you know, being the more morality police about how PSG choose to celebrate winning and the idea, again, it's like they don't like PSG when they lose. They mock them. And PSG have been mocked incessantly for years. Yes. So when finally PSG does it to another team, it's all of a sudden an issue. And it's like, it's a clear hypocrisy. We all know it. It's not, it's not a surprise to anybody. This is how the media and fans that's, that don't like PSG, this is how they get treated. And, and, and what if Halan had scored a hat trick and he comes over and does you know Mbappe's celebration in the middle of the pitch? Everyone would be like... Oh my God! He just—he's the best, and you know Mbappe's nothing, and blah blah blah. Like they would have like lost their damn mind. But then PSG does this after they just basically made Halan just was a ghost all ninety minutes, was completely a non-factor, and they show him up a little bit by doing a celebration. And, and PSG are the bad guys. If you don't believe that there is a bias in the media directed squarely at PSG, this is a prime example for you. There should be no more doubts about that. No, it's pretty clear. Like it's not. It's not a. Um, it's not a secret. It never has been. They don't like them, and it, it's not. And it's not going to be handled fairly. The team's not going to be covered fairly. No, and and, and, like, and on Twitter, fight that war. Yeah, fight that war for so long, but it's just like this is what it's going to be. They don't like them. They don't like PSG. They don't like when PSG win. They love it when they lose. And this is one of those where it's like, oh, we well, we can't give credit to PSG because God forbid. So we got to find something else to hit them with. It's the it's the same stuff. It's not. It's 
It's not surprising. It's slightly disappointing, but it's not surprising. They they really don't like on Twitter when you call them out and you give like an example. They never respond because they can't. They know that they're being biased. They know they're being ridiculous. And when you come back with facts or you you know you say like, well, what about Dortmund did this? They don't say anything. They just don't because they know what they're doing. And so I don't respond to all of them, but the ones that have a large following or one of the blue checks, I like to just call them out and and let them know why they're wrong. Like our friend Sam Teague, who said PSG were the losers of the summer transfer window. How's that yeah. working out for you? Um, let's talk a little bit about the Champions League moving forward. As I mentioned earlier, it, it could be postponed, and we don't know for how long. Um, we know that Atalanta from Syria has moved on. We know that Leipzig from the Bundesliga has moved on. And we know that Atletico Madrid have moved on along with PSG. And, the, and so those are the four teams that we know that have advanced. Um, we're assuming that Bayern Munich is going to move on. They have a 3-0 lead over Chelsea. Barcelona and Napoli could go either way. Um, Manchester City probably will advance unless there's a huge upset over um you know, if Real Madrid could come come back from that. And then Juventus and Leon, Leon have a, a one goal lead in that game. So talk a little bit about how you think that the delay will have an impact on PSG. And looking ahead a little bit, give me the team that you think that PSG has a good chance to beat and maybe a team that you really don't want to face in the next round. A team that you think would give PSG some issues. Boy, this all depends on a lot of stuff. Yeah, like a lot can uh, happen in a month or however yeah, long. so it's like, I mean, in theory, I think Bayern's probably the favorite right now. They just seem to be the best team. See, people say that, but this is a bad Chelsea team. I think PSG would have thrashed no, them 3-0. I think Bayern are, are just playing well in general. Sure, okay. And, I, and, and again, what, month, what one month off will do or more, you, it's really hard to tell. Right. So like this could be we could have a very different discussion in a month, you know, about what these teams are going to look like or what the, how they're going to you know react to this. So it, it really is sort of the one maybe the one year more than any where the Champions League is just sort of a total crapshoot. Like, yes, she could win it. Like the the circumstances, the the way they're playing, the way they just won. It is a crapshoot, and you don't know what's going to happen in a month, and you don't know when these games are going to get played, and you don't know how they're going to get played, or if they're going to be played with fans, or if they're going to wait, you know, a month and then play games without fans. Are they going to, you know, we don't know. So it's better to sort of just say, and you know, because you kind of can't really say much more about it. You just kind of want to end in the fact that this was a great night for PSG fans. Right. And it was a great, for one night, this club showed up. They gave the fans something to, to hope. They gave them hope. They gave the fans happiness and joy. And, you know, that's what sports is supposed to do. Now, is it important enough to keep playing games when we're in the middle of a pandemic? Probably not. But, you know, for for we, the, I'm happy they got the game in, and I'm happy that PSG were able to leave that image. You know, if it's the last image we have for a while, I, I I really happy that they left that image. Yeah, I think they're. I mean, UEFA loves money. I can't imagine this tournament's going to even get canceled. It's it's going to be postponed. I think it'll resume. Um, you have to 
think I like I couldn't imagine if they just completely shut it down. I mean, that'd be crazy, especially if finally PSG put it together. It'd be really unfortunate. So I think eventually they're going to get this up and going. I think the Euros are going to be postponed a year. So this may go into the summer. And looking ahead at some of the teams, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are going to say they want to see Atalanta, but I mean, this this team scored eight goals uh, against Valencia and they have nothing to lose. They're not supposed to be here. And I think that could be dangerous against a team like PSG who have everything to play for and a lot of pressure. I don't think you want to go up against a team like that. Atletico Madrid could be interesting. Um, the, the best storylines would be if PSG played Barcelona or um, Juventus. I think both of those would be really interesting storylines. So um, I think PSG would be, at this point, I think be favored against most of these teams. Maybe not Bayern Munich. Manchester City, I think a lot of people, a lot of neutrals would like to see that. The two oil and natural gas clubs go up against each other. Um but at this point, we really don't know when this will kick off, and it could be in a month, and we don't know what injuries. They're probably not going to be playing any league on games, so I don't know. The players could pack on a few pounds uh, during that time, so it, it's kind of hard to predict, but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, do you think wh- which mattered more? Was it mental toughness or was it tactics? We talked a lot no. about both. No, it was mentality. Okay. It was, it was mentality, and the tactics were right for the mentality. Okay. It just again. I think yeah, I think they they fit well. Everything just came together, and now do you think no matter what happens in the quarterfinals, Tuchel saved saved his job with that performance? Um. That's it's tough. Think <laughs> uh, for now. Okay. I mean, it depends how the quarterfinal would go, but I think right now he looks fine. I mean that was that was big. That was that was he proved something in that game. He absolutely did. Um, I wrote before his job was definitely on the line. A lot was on the line, and now at least we'll get to wait and see what happens uh, until the quarterfinals. And I think if even if they lose and put up a good fight against maybe Bayern Munich, maybe he does keep his job. Um, and oddly enough, Bayern Munich I think want him as their manager potentially if he's available. So, um, yeah. But we talked a lot about football and. You know, the coronavirus is obviously impacting everything. Um, we just learned that Mikel Arteta has um, has tested positive in the NBA here in the United States. Rudy Gobert, who's a PSG fan, he tested positive. In the post-game celebration, Levin Krizawa, curious to get your thoughts on this. Not always. He doesn't always do the right thing. And no, uh, I'm not a medical act. I don't know. I'm not a medical act. Well, let me just let me, let me set it up. If people didn't see the video, he actually like goes out into the crowd and they're like chanting his name and he's like partying. And then all of a sudden he gets overwhelmed and then he realizes like, oh, there's like a pandemic going on. And he kind of has like you can see on his face or he tries to like get out of the situation. Obviously, we don't want anyone to get this this virus, but that was not a very good decision on his part. Nah, but whatever. <laughs> That's Kurzawa for you. So It is. Yeah, probably not the smartest thing. Well, the good thing is is that we can do these podcasts. You know, we could telecommute, basically. So you can expect more podcasts to come, even if there's no games to really talk about. Maybe we'll just come on and we'll talk about, I don't know, how our day was. We'll try to keep the podcast going as much as we can, and, and we'll keep the site and social I don't know. media. I think we should, I, you know what I think we should do, and I, I know we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't clear this out before we went on yeah. air. I think we should just, like, 
like I think we should just uh, like how would I put this? We should just like do real time commentary on some of these older PSG matches. Oh, we'll just we'll yeah. just pick. We'll, we'll have time. Yeah, so I'll just pick one or two a week and or one a week, and we'll we'll go at we'll uh, we'll record something. We'll watch it together. We'll we'll go th- we'll go through it, and then you know we'll we'll comment on it. It'll be a longer show, but hey, you know. Something for people to listen to. Something for people to listen to. I like that idea a lot. So if you have any games you'd like us to talk about, send them in. Tweet me at PSG Talk. Um, Mark, how can people find you on Twitter if they want to tell you that you were wrong? At Mark Damon one Fantastic. Well, thank you all for listening to the 1970, and we'll try to get another one of these up when we have something to talk about. Thanks, everyone. Au revoir for now.